Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be continuing my verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. And today we find, again, we are in chapter 19. Uh, we're about to get through this book. Uh, at least it seems on the surface that we are, but I think we have quite a ways to go. But I'm in Revelation chapter 19, and I want to give you the context. It'll be the first six verses. This is very much an exciting uh, very exciting part of the book of Revelation. Many people have asked, you know, why haven't I already hit this and move, move faster through the other parts and slow down on this part? But, you know, you just have to take it as it comes. But I'm in Revelation chapter 19, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. If you would like to follow along, I encourage you to do that. Take a copy of uh, your, your Word of God and follow along with me in Revelation chapter 19 beginning in verse 1, the Word of God says, After these things, I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of the great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. I just have to take a breath because it's been we've had so much judgment. Think about what we have seen in the book of Revelation up to this point. And here we are at this point in this book of being at the very end of the tribulation period, that seven years of horror and rain and terror, uh, judgment being poured out upon the earth along with all of the demonic activity. And, of course, the church being raptured out at that time, uh, at the beginning of that time, and now we're at the end of the tribulation period, and we're about to see some, something bef that will be the greatest moment in the history uh, as, as the, the redemptive history, that is, reaches its culmination. That is, we're going to see in this chapter the moment Jesus Christ returns in all his glory to the earth. Before that moment actually happens, though, in verse 11, we have 10 other verses to look at. And I, I, I tell you, as I go through this, I, I'm, I'm just amazed at, at all that has been happening on the earth and the contrast between the pain and the crying and the wailing and the suffering on earth compared to the jubilation in heaven. Uh, it is just quite the scene, quite the contrast. So these last of the, uh, we're taken into, uh, by John, into this last of the seven visions of heaven. In the book of Revelation, we are ushered into heaven to hear uh, the hallelujahs of this, uh, of, of heaven itself. And what, uh, we, we begin to discover what they are actually rejoicing about. And I know I've read so much on this, and so many people are writing on the fact that uh, there's a, it seems almost cruel to be laughing when the world is in so much 
devastation and judgment. And, uh, and you look at the contrast of what's happening on earth, the end of seven years, what has been the result of seven years of demonic uh, evil and, and the judgment uh, that has been happening in, in the condition of the world and the reign and the terror of the Antichrist uh, and the false prophet along with Satan himself. And then you, you switch scenes. In fact, we see that scene uh, changing right before our eyes. It says, after these things, I heard as it were a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, and it begins to speak. So we go through these 10 verses and I want to show you uh, at least if I can get to them tonight, several reasons uh, for heaven's joy. Five reasons or five causes for the heavenly hallelujahs. I want to get through at least four of them uh, at, during this message, if that is uh, even even possible. But we've seen so much. We've, uh, we, we find in, in, in this section, these 10 verses, and then verse 11, uh, we begin to see the second coming. Uh, and then the uh, what happens there is he uh, stops the Battle of Armageddon, and then we're going to see the uh, the setting up of the kingdom. Uh, so this chapter is really introductory and and conclusive in itself in in the sense of wrapping all the things up in, in during the tribulation period, and then setting the stage for the Revelation chapter twenty for the setting up of the kingdom and all that's going to be happening on earth for that. And so it's going to be quite the journey. But we've seen so much, especially from chapter 4 and chapter 5. And as that's where we begin this praising and the hallelujahs. And then the judgments begin. Uh, but but for the, the word hallelujah, I just want to cover this real quick. That was uh, we, we saw all of this happening in heaven at the beginning uh, of, of what we found in the book of Revelation. Before the seven seals were broken open, the judgments of that time of the tribulation happened. But... When you come to chapter 19, they've all ended. Everything that we saw starting back then in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then the peeling of the seven, uh, the, the taking away of the seven uh, uh, peels or seals, but they being peeled back and the judgment starting, it's all ended here. Uh, and we're back in heaven. The same thing is going on again. Heaven is filled with praise. It's filled with hallelujahs. And we find here the word hallelujah. Hallelujah is used a number of times, and we shall see in these verses, verse 1, verse 3, verse 6, and then one other time in verse 4. Four times the word hallelujah is used. And I might add quickly, it's the first time the word hallelujah is used in the whole New Testament. You think, really? But it is. It's the first time. So it's almost as if there has been a pause in heaven to wait for the right moment to shout out these hallelujahs, all who belong to God on earth and in heaven, holy angels, men, women made holy in Christ, have longed for this glorious moment when Jesus Christ returns to rule the world with justice, righteousness, holiness, and peace. Heaven, it's almost as though heaven has been so anticipating uh, it's seven years earlier, and now as we come back to heaven, seven years after it started back in chapter 4, heaven is filled again with the same, same rejoicing. So we can't help but be struck by the fact that this rejoicing is in stark contrast to what we've just read and studied in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. 
uh, we find that the world is, is weeping and lamenting. We find in verse 11 of 18, the merchants of the earth weeping and, and, and filled with sorrow. The world is grasping its last breaths. So these rulers, so committed to and dependent on the Antichrist and his system, stand off in dread and terrified at the reality and the consequences of all they're seeing around them. And man, let, let, let me tell you, they are seeing a lot of destruction you go back to chapter 16, and, and well, let me just read that to you. The ending of 16 is it before it gets into uh, chapter 17. You read in seven, uh, verse 17 of six, chapter 16. And the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, sounds, and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake, such as there has not been... Uh, since man came upon the earth, so great an earthquake was it, so mighty. Uh, so the world has just come through this. This is just before what we're reading in Revelation 19. Uh, the great city split into three parts. And then look at verse 20 of chapter 16 of Revelation. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because the plague of hail and its plague was extremely severe. That's what we've been seeing. We've been reading about this. And then we come to Revelation 19 and there is an explosion of praise in heaven an explosion of praise in heaven. So so what is all of this? We, we've gone from chapter 18, all commerce stops. Uh, the wheels are standing still. Everything fails. Babylon has fallen. It's as though the Satan and his system, the head's been cut, the arteries cut. Chapter 18, Babylon, the center is destroyed. And following Babylon comes the destruction of the rest of the world, which has been... Uh, Described for us at the end of, like I just said, in verse six, uh, chapter 16. It takes place in the Valley of Megiddo, the plain of Armageddon, in a great and final battle, battle followed by flashes of lightning. So it's, a, it's an amazing contrast between heaven and earth. Of course, earth has no idea what's about to happen. And heaven is up there rejoicing about what is about to happen. And what is about to happen we're going to see that Jesus Christ is going to burst forth. Heaven's joy is not because of the damnation of people on earth, but because of the righteous glory of Jesus Christ who will remove these obstinate, hard-hearted sinners from the world and restore it to its lost glory. That's a quote from, uh, I think it's John MacArthur. Uh, heaven rejoices not because of damnation. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but heaven rejoices over the coming righteous glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven rejoices because God will be properly honored and Christ will be exalted and the earth will be filled with righteousness and wisdom and truth. Wow. So the world is getting ready for this, but it doesn't know it. Heaven is preparing right in this section for that. And so what we see when we come here is that we see, well, look at verse 1. I'll start here. Verse 1 of chapter 19, after these things. We, we look at after these things, meaning everything I've just talked about. In Revelation 16, the last of the seven uh, bowls of wrath, 
And then we look at chapter 17, the destruction of the, the great harlot, the false religion. And then we look at chapter 18, the fall of Babylon the Great. The economic and the world enterprise at that time is going to be down. And it is it's so interesting to see this. So after these things, and then look at what it says. After these things, I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude. This is the vision that John is going to take us into. And this is uh, after the things of the destruction of Babylon at the Great Tribulation and just before the kingdom is established. So it, there's a little bit of a lull here as far as what we're seeing. It's, it's, we're, 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 we're between two extremes here. We're between the extreme of destruction and the fall of the earth and the destruction of the earth and every mountain and the hail and the, all that is going on. Uh, time between the tribulation and the establishment of the kingdom is the time when we're taken to heaven to see the great rejoicing. So heaven's excited. Heaven is excited. And I want to give you, if I can, uh, four at least four reasons why we find the jubilation in heaven. Why there's, heaven is under this explosion of praise uh, as, we, as we look at this. So uh, look at... The very first reason we find for the joy and the explosion of praise in heaven is because salvation belongs to God. Uh, if we look at this, the beginning in verse 1, it says, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. That's what verse 1 says. So that's going to be our first reason why we find the excitement and the praise being restored back into heaven instead of looking at all the judgment. Now remember now, while all this is going on up above earth, remember the scene on earth is still dark. It's still black. The, the power has been cut. God has, has darkened the earth. There's no sun. There's no moon. There's no stars. And uh, the earth is, is, is gathering for this last battle, the battle of Armageddon. The troops are being uh, brought to this valley of Megiddo. The demons are working furiously to draw the armies of the world to this one location. And yet heaven is rejoicing, as verse 1 says, praising and bursting forth, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. After these things I heard as it were a loud voice. They're saying hallelujah because it was salvation time. Salvation hour has arrived. Here is the anthem that celebrates the full and final deliverance from sin. Now, this is not talking about our salvation uh, being saved from God's judgment. This is talking about the final deliverance uh, from sin. John says, I heard as it were a loud voice. Now, it's not really a loud voice. It's like a loud voice. It's a composite voices of a great multitude. Well, who is it? Well, it doesn't specifically say if you notice that, it doesn't actually say it. But I think the best understanding of it is it's the angelic host of angels. And the reason I say that is because the saints are drawn into this in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. So it seems that if the saints are sort of called into this later on, that it is most likely the angels. You remember that we've said all along that angels participate in these great series of praises we've seen throughout the book of Revelation. So this great multitude in heaven is, uh, is, is full of angels singing, and, and we have, we don't even know how many angels. There's millions upon millions and millions. Even uh, we look at the book of Daniel, we find Daniel chapter 7, you find just 
millions and millions of, of angels. We don't know the number, but we know this, that the demons, we've seen so many demons being poured out on earth, those that have been kicked out of heaven and restricted to where they can't go back up to heaven, the 200 million that have been released into Euphrates, and then those pouring up out of the pit or the abyss in Revelation chapter 9, pouring out so heavy of a, of a pouring out that it's like black smoke. So there's a lot of demons. But just think, that's only one-third of all the original number of angels created. And yet we find millions of those. And so you look at, well, the other two-thirds are angels, good angels. And so the numbers are just millions upon millions I like how um, Donald Gray Barnhouse says, so the number of demons, who knows, hundreds of millions. In chapter 12 and verse 4 of Revelation says the demons altogether are one-third. And so he talks about this. Now you notice I've told you on uh, other occasions, angels don't sing. So, so isn't it interesting? It says here, after these things I heard as it were a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Notice the word is not singing, but the word is saying. And so we, we know that they don't. I know that uh, two writers, I think one of them was John MacArthur and the other one, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it's, uh, uh, well, I can't, I can't think of his name right now. But uh, it says that the, uh, it was like a heavenly rap. It may actually be a heavenly rap. And I wrote this down as a quote because we don't find, it was John Walford, because we don't find anything in the Bible. We don't find anything in the Bible about angels singing. We do find them saying, and what are they saying? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we have said, again, it appears only in this chapter in the New Testament, here and nowhere else, four times and only here. It is the first used in the Old Testament, and we've seen it many times in the Old Testament. And the word hallelujah, when he says hallelujah in 19.1, that word is, 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 is a great word. We, we, we use it, you know, probably a little. Some people, I, I hear it sometimes. I know it's in some, several songs. But hallelujah means praise the Lord. Uh, if you actually translate that word, it means praise the Lord. I know I got into a study of this and explained to our people, the congregation, during a, a, a Lord's Supper meeting. And we looked at one of the, uh, the Psalms of, of 113, I think it's Psalm 113 and 118. They are called Hallel uh, because of the word hallelujah. Uh, so they are hallelujahs, and it's just a shortened word word from hallelujah, uh, primarily celebrating Israel's deliverance out of Egypt. They were using these songs through that uh, Last Supper. So hallelujah is the word reserved for praising the Lord, notably because of his devastating and complete judgment on wicked oppressors of his people. Interesting, isn't it? Hallelujah is a special word reserved for the joy of those who are delivered from their enemies by God's saving might and power. So it's reserved then in the Old Testament to be used primarily to celebrate salvation and destruction from the enemies of Israel. It is reserved in the New Testament to express God's saving deliverance of his people and the destruction of the ungodly across the face of the world, as in this case, Revelation chapter 19. So it is a word connected to judgment on the ungodly and the salvation of God's people. So when you say hallelujah, it has some very rich and specific meaning. Hallelujah. What's the next word? Look at what it says after that. Salvation. 
salvation or deliverance, complete final deliverances here. And believers have always anticipated, Paul said, now is your salvation nearer than when you believe. So what does he mean by that? Well, he didn't mean your present soul salvation. He meant your ultimate deliverance from sin in a, in a fallen world and oppressing wicked people. Here it is. Salvation has come, and with it, glory and power. God's glory is put on display. God's power is manifested. God's majestic glory is now seen, revealed in the judgment. So, this is what he's saying. You will see in this verse, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. Notice there's no real verb there. Salvation, glory, power to our God. It could be it could belong to our God, or it could be have come, obviously, from God. But God displays his power and his might, and it is seen here. So the first cause of rejoicing and praise is because God has fully and gloriously, powerfully delivered his people from Satan's demons. This is what the angels are singing. Now, the people in heaven are going to join in in just a few minutes as far as the verses. But they're delivering because this has happened. Sinners out of a cursed world, the silence then of the ruined realm of Babylon is replaced with loud rejoicing in heaven. In place of the laments in verse in chapter 18 come the hallelujahs in chapter 19 because God saves us. That's the first reason. The second reason for the hallelujahs in heaven is justice is true and righteous. That's what he says right out of verse 2, because his judgments are true and righteous. You can take this just straight down and follow it, and you see the reasons. Justice is true and righteous. This is the second reason for praise, because justice is, 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 is meted out, because justice is, is ushered out, going out. Hallelujah, because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot, who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Justice is meted out because his judgments are true and righteous. That's what he said. That's is what, remember, we're getting a picture of heaven is rejoicing over this. Here is the joy of justice. Here is the joy of righteousness. All who pray for, all who work for, all who fight for righteousness and justice in the world can appreciate this. We live in a society where we constantly are disturbed and distressed about injustice. Never in my life have I seen so much on the news in the last three years about injustice inequity and unrighteousness saints throughout all of history have been so distressed and one of the one of my favorite passages to go to is Habakkuk chapter 1 i dare you to read chapter 1 of Habakkuk especially the first 15 verses and we with that you'll say that could be written over today's headlines in our papers today where is this god why am i allowing why am I being allowed to see all of this injustice? Well, it's coming to an end. All who pray for and work for, who fight for righteousness and justice in the world can appreciate this particular passage. Look at what it says. Justice, in verse 2 of Revelation 19, his judgments are true and righteous. What's he referring to? Well, he's referring to the judgments that have just been laid out in chapter 17 and 18. It found no heaven is exuberant over the reality of justice reigning on the earth and also looking forward to what this 
world is going to see after all this mess is taken out and God sets up his kingdom. Many righteous have died in battles with unrighteousness. All the unrighteousness will die in the triumph of the righteous. Saints have always hoped for this day. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the unrighteous world. We battle it all the time, and, and godly people love righteousness. And they love the fact that God will deal out justice, and his justice is right and true. We who are God's people, we hate sin because it mocks God, and we love justice because it exalts God. That is a quote by James Montgomery Boyce. I, I love that. Listen to it again. We who are God's people hate sin because it mocks God. And we love justice because it exalts God. You see what that's saying? We hate unrighteousness. We love righteousness. Godly long for a world of justice. And we're, it's coming. It is coming. And we won't be here in fleshly bodies. We will reign with Christ in our spiritual heavenly bodies you say, how's that going to happen? Well, I can't wait for the kingdom time to talk about that, and we can get, we can get into that. And so we, we see this. He, he came first to judge Babylon, and, and that destruction is there. And so this is referencing all of that. But then look at uh, verse 3. The first reason is, is salvation has come. The second reason is because his judgments are, are true and righteous. But the third reason, all the excitement and rebellion, not rebellion, all of the exuberation and the explosion of praise in heaven. Number three, rebellion has ended. Rebellion against God is ending. There won't be any. And that that is during the, the kingdom age will be dealt with instantaneously, according to Ezekiel. So it's ended. Look at how he says it. And the second time they said hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. That is a picture there of that. Hallelujah, why her smoke rises up forever and ever. That is the, the picture of permanency. It's the most interesting. The first hallelujah was in response to the judgment on Babylon. The second one in response to it as well. And again, they said hallelujah, but this time it's not simply because of the judgment itself which brought salvation, but because judgment is permanent as indicated by the fact that the smoke rises forever. Remember now, Babylon is going up in flames. In, in, in chapter 18, we saw that. Did we not? Burned up with fire, it says in verse 8 or verse 9. See, the smoke of her burning, we, we read that. There was even a burning of the harlot in chapter 17. The Antichrist system burned up. Back in chapter 14, we saw it. You say, well, what does that mean the smoke goes up forever and ever? You mean there will be an eternal smoke just billowing out for the world to be reminded of this? No, that's not the idea. The idea is that the fire will burn out. It will draw cool. There will be no more smoke physically. Ashes will blow away. And when the earth is completely cleaned and swept and reshaped and flattened out, the islands all fled away, like Revelation chapter 16 says. Obviously, the renewed earth isn't going to have a smoldering place. The point of the smoke rising up is permanent. The result is forever. Rebellion is ended, and there will come one small and brief effort at rebellion at the end of the thousand years. And that's it. 
And we'll see that a little later. It's going to take a while to get to the end of chapter 20, but we're going to see it is immediately squashed, and that's final act. But it's over. Man will never again. Did you, you may not, not realize this, but man will never again, from this point on, in Revelation, at the end of the tribulation period, man will never again, listen to it, will never again rule the world. He will never again control this earth. Never. We're going to explain that starting in verse 11 and going through and even into chapter 20. Like I say, I'm so excited about that. I, I, I almost My mind just wants to jump right over there and get into it. There's another uh, implication here, secondary. All the people who perished in the destruction of Babylon, all those people who were burned in the in, in the city and the burned in, on, on earth uh, will spend an eternity in, in hell. And so that also is a picture of that. It's all over. Persecution is over. False religion is over. There'll never again be a false religion in the world. Materialism is over. It'll never exist again. The evolutionary science is over. Philosophy, psychology, it's all over. It's gone. Injustice, unrighteousness, and leadership gone. Over, finished, never again. A global disaster ends it all. Man has rebelled since Eden, and so that time is ending. But now I want to give you the fourth one real quick before time runs out. The fourth reason why heaven rejoices, and it's found in verse 4, as we are working our way through. I wish I could get all the way to 6, but I don't think I can. The 24 elders fell down, the living creatures fell down, and worshipped God, who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Here it comes. Hallelujah, for our God, the Almighty, reigns. So the fourth reason that we see hallelujahs praising God in heaven while the earth is being destroyed and smoldering and destruction is upon the earth, the, the heaven itself is rejoicing because God's sovereignty reigns. God is in charge. I love, I'll never forget what Dr. Steve Lawson said. God is large and in charge. And we, we said this back in Revelation as we looked at chapter four. <clears throat> the first thing John sees in heaven is a throne and symbolizing to him and picturing for him that no matter what else is going to happen upon the earth, and all that you're going to see, John, remember this. God is still in control. He's never lost that. God is sovereign. He reigns. That's what it says in verse 6. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. God is in charge. God in charge. Praises always belong to God, even when most people denied it to him. Now, in, in agreement with this, the hallelujahs, man, we, we find a, uh, they're coming in to sing with them. Hallelujahs. Boy, what an appropriate place to put a hallelujah. Praise the Lord because he is in control. But let me tell you something. If you were to take that phrase, God is in charge, God is in control to the earth and let them see that phrase at the moment of their distress in chapter 18, or even in chapter 19, if we were to move the view from heaven to earth, 
with that phrase plastered in the clouds, so let's say, what, the, what would the people on earth say when they saw that? You think they would believe that? No, they would not believe. They'd say, God, God who? He is not in charge of anything. But boy, heaven knows, and we know. Because at this time, we have been up there all through the tribulation period. Heaven has welcomed us, the raptured bride of Christ, up. And we have not been here on earth. So we're there. We're there joining with this praise and this hallelujah. Getting ready for the, the final and the, the culmination of the greatest event ever in the history of the world. And that is the return of Christ to this earth to set up his glorious kingdom. You think heaven needs to rejoice? You think heaven could stop if they wanted to? You could not stop heaven from rejoicing at this point. And the reason basically is number four. God is sovereign. He does reign. He is in charge. He is worthy. His judgments are true and righteous. He has delivered us and brought salvation. And it is completed in heaven. What a glorious time. So this is a, a, a great beginning in chapter 19. Stay with me as we get ready to move forward and see. Uh, next week, we're going to take a, a brief look at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is in the next few verses, four verses. And then we'll look at the second coming of Christ in verse 11. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure.